0: Yeah, so as Sarah said, so um, I'm Becky Pitzen, and um, I work for Southpac International, and I'm one of the HOP, so Human and Organizational Performance Facilitators. Um, And as Sarah just said there, so my background's in psychology, and specifically, I kind of started off in performance psychology, and I really wanted to get into the world of sport and sports psychology. And just as I was kind of starting out a little bit, I came across this idea of performance psychology in organizations. And when I started to look a little bit deeper, I started focusing a little bit more on safety critical organizations. And I soon realized that actually we can't really get much more high performing than performing in a safety critical environment. So that led me on a new path. And I started off by working in aviation. And as Sarah just said there, i worked as a human factor specialist for the UK's National Air Traffic Service. And I really loved that job. It was so varied. I was working in airspace design, automation and some of the more traditional human factors training and coaching as well. And then COVID happened and kind of post COVID, even though I was loving what I was doing, I was really keen for a change. So that led me to join Southpac over on the Gold Coast, which was a nice perk to it. Um, And I now work as one of the hot facilitators and HF trainers, human factors trainers, and I work across a a wider range of safety critical industries, which I'm really kind of enjoying getting that as well. So I'm working in medical industries, still aviation, mining, oil, gas. Um, So that's kind of a little bit about me and my background and what brings me here today. So today we're going to be talking about all things around operational learning what it is, what it isn't, some of the benefits of operational learning, when we can use it, and how to get started. Before we get started talking about operational learning itself, it's really worth mentioning that this method has been built on the knowledge and understanding of HOP principles, that's the Human and Organizational Performance Principles. Therefore, if this concept of hop is new to you and something you think you might be interested in, I highly recommend that you have a look at hop as a starting point after this talk. Just as a quick overview, though, for everyone here, um, here's a quick refresh on our five hop principles. So as I just briefly mentioned, hop is a philosophy and it's a mindset that we can have towards work. HOP works by us kind of following and applying these five principles, which are shown on the slide. So lots of us will look at these and pretty much think, yeah, this makes sense. People make mistakes. So it's moving away from that old view that we have people who are unreliable. We have bad apples who are doing things wrong because we know that people make mistakes. We know human makes mistakes. And that's why we have things like forgiveness. Yet in many workplaces, we often don't really accept or allow room for mistakes to take place. The second principle is blame fixes nothing. So Hopp describes how blaming really blocks learning. We cannot blame and learn, we must choose one or the other. The third principle is context drives behavior. So Hopp really focuses on our workplace conditions and context rather than our individual choices. This is what lots of us will know as systems thinking approach. Then we've got learning is vital. And I think that's one we'll all kind of really agree with. We know that learning is vital for improving, um, enhancing our performance, ensuring safety. It's a really key aspect for us. And then response matters. And this is a really important one. How leaders especially respond to events or things which occur really matters a lot. So, As shown on the logo on the right hand side of the slide there, at Southpac we present these five principles almost like in this elastic band ball and we do this purposefully because it shows how all of those five principles are really bind together and actually they're really interconnected. We can't just do one principle without the other, so for example we might say yep I agree people make mistakes Agree, blame isn't helpful, and then something happens and naturally we go and point the finger. So it's really important that these are kind of intertwined and they're all um, just as equally as important as each other. So these HOP principles really lay out the core foundations for us. And as organizations, we need to be aware of and actively working towards integrating hot. To allow for successful and effective operational learning, which is
1: why I thought it was really important just to do a brief overview of the hot principles before we get started. So I think we probably all agree that nearly all of our organizations, and
0: especially us in safety critical industries, really want to engage in organizational learning across the board. We all want to learn, we want to improve. We want to be high performing and ensure and enhance safety. Many organisations talk about being learning organisations because we recognise the vast benefits that learning brings. We know that learning organisations are high performing organisations. Yet, as is human nature, when we look to learn, we tend to focus our learning from events which have already happened. And that's usually in the form of incidents and accidents. We've probably all heard phrases such as, how can we learn from this so it doesn't happen again? Or, what can we learn from this event? And there's no denying that some great learnings have been taken from events which have happened. More recently, there's actually been a bit more of a drive towards learning from successful events as well. So we might hear more people saying things like, how come this event went so well? What factors meant that this event was a success? And this is definitely an additional step forward, although it's still not as common a formalized process in our organizations. So methods and tools for learning from specific events, incidents or near misses are pretty prevalent in our organizations. But the key question is, Do these existing methods lead to effective sense-making and learning? Are we really learning from our organizations? Are we eliminating the reoccurrence of these events? Or do we find that the same or similar events keep happening? Do we find that we keep finding those same root causes of events? And it's almost becoming a little bit of a tick box exercise. Do we start to hear the same root causes being identified? It was human
1: error, or it was down to complacency, or it was perceived pressure. So it might be a good time to kind
0: of introduce this diagram, which many of you might have seen before, but if you haven't, I'll just talk through it briefly now. So, Every organization in the world has a black line as shown on the slide, just a straight black line. And this represents our workplace procedures, our rules, and our expectations of our workforce. And we name this line work as imagined. This is how managers and safety professionals and those who write procedures imagine work on the front line to be conducted. We then have the blue line Every organisation in the world also has a blue line and we name this work as done. This is how work on the front line is actually done. Due to the complex nature of work, there will always be unaccounted for variability or unforeseen difficulties at the sharp end of work. Great guidance can be written, it's just never the full story as to how work is actually done. So why is the blue line present? Why can't we just stick to the black line? Workers aren't choosing to deviate from the black line with bad intent. They are just trying to get the work done to meet our organizational goals and often under challenging conditions. Work is complex and we cannot prescribe every possible situation, no matter how hard we try especially in our complex environments. Let's consider some factors that workers manage on a normal day of work. Changing demands, sometimes suddenly and unexpectedly. Changes or clashes in operational goals, for example, safety first, but also we need to meet today's targets. Different or multiple pressures, constant variability, For example, in aviation, sudden changes in weather, lack of resources, insufficient staffing, not necessarily the right tools, the list goes on. Yet 99% of the time workers are successful. And in fact, they're usually working above the black line. And this is despite our brittle systems that I just described. Let's think about planning a road trip from destination A to B. We can plan it to every detail, but when we drive, multiple factors are likely to arise. This leads us to stray away from our intended well thought plan. There any of which cause us to stray away from our plan and make workarounds. We might make a different route, Or have to stop unexpectedly we manage this situation in order to be successful in meeting our goals in this case to get to our destination when presented with multiple and changeable variables humans are very efficient we may even find an alternative route or a shortcut along the way and this is no different to work Using this model, we can start to understand that frontline workers really are the masters of the blue line. The masters of being able to adapt to meet daily demands and changes. And usually this goes well. Work is successful and they get the job done. They understand the complexity of work and have ideas to make things better. When things go right, which is the vast majority of the time, it's not because work is done precisely according to our procedures or plans, but because people doing the work are able to, as the context and situation around them varies. Even more importantly, when things go wrong, it's rarely just because people didn't follow plans or procedures. People were just doing normal work the same normal work that leads to success 99% of the time. This model teaches us that it is our systems which are brittle, and our workers are often that last piece in the puzzle, whether successful or not. So focusing on our people, their
1: behaviours, actions, and choices provides a really shallow and incomplete picture of work. So, With this in mind, let's consider some
0: of our more traditional methods of learning from our work. We might rely on observations, audits, site visits, or investigations, all with a really good intent to learn from our work. When considering these methods with the blue and black line in mind, we soon realize that our current methods of learning are pretty much focused on that black line. During an observation or an audit or even an investigation, we tend to focus on or try to look for deviations or non-compliance from our workers imagined. We might ask things like, are the workers wearing PPE? Are the workers compliant to our rules and procedures? Or questions like, have the workers been wearing seatbelts?" This approach provides us with quite a shallow level of learning. Again, all that we learn is where the workers are working to our black line, how we
1: imagine work to be done. But as we now understand, this is an impossible task So what is operational learning? Where does this come into what we've been talking about?
0: Operational learning allows us to switch our focus from that black line, workers imagined, to the blue line, workers actually done. This allows us to gain a greater understanding as to how work is really done. To learn about everyday normal work and to find work and how people adapt to get the job done. As will become clear, one of the key focuses of operational learning is learning from normal work. What does a normal day-to-day work really look like from a worker's point of view? Although learning about normal, oh, sorry, through learning about normal work and not just how we imagine work to be done, we start to gain a greater understanding of the context of our incidents, near misses or operational challenges, and some of the complexities and variabilities of our work, which as well is what makes things go um, well as well. What do we rely on for success? Effective operational learning provides us with a proactive means to learn and improve before negative events occur, improving both our work and safety performance. This allows us to look to address consistent system problems instead of treating each incident as an individual and non in our world, we're often asked to manage processes or systems that many of us actually had a little exposure to. Part of what Hop teaches us is that despite how normal this management approach feels to us, we all probably know that we can't really manage things that we don't fully understand successfully. And In fact, as it's put on this quote here quite nicely, In order to make good choices and decisions, we need good and real information. In addition, leaders tend to reward and recognize job results, such as the production or successfully meeting our goals. And we tend to overlook or take for granted the actions necessary to successfully complete the job or meet that goal. The job gets done but how it gets done might be a different matter. So operational learning shows us that actually normal work can be equally messy as what we might discover in the wake of an accident. So it's really important we understand what that normal day looks like. What does it take to get the work done? Our workers have a wealth of knowledge about what it takes to get the work done. And we term this operational intelligence. And I really love that term. It just kind of really sums up what we're talking about here. It's intelligence. It's knowledge
2: about that operation. Becky, can I, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but sure. there's a little bit of a lag happening occasionally with your um, possibly yeah. your internet. Do you think you could turn your video off? Because um, I think that will probably solve the problem. Yeah, I mean, sure. we, we would love to all see you, but it's just <laughs> intermittently a little bit of a... Oh, sorry about that.
0: That's, That's just, okay. Um see if I can I did my internet look okay but I'll
2: try it yeah that'll be better yeah Um, we can probably turn it back on again for the questions I think sure okay thank you for
0: letting me know let me just (laughs) okay okay um but we have lost
1: your screen okay let me just sort that out
2: And thanks everyone, because I thought it was just me. And, um, but uh, yeah, a couple of other people said there was a bit of a lag and um, yeah, we do want to hear what you're saying, so.
0: Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, I'm just trying to work out how, why this isn't sharing. Here we go. Right, sorted.
1: Here we go. Uh, Share. current Slide. Yep, that's good. Perfect.
0: Okay. Okay, right. So thank you for letting me know that. And I'm sorry if that's that must be frustrating if you're on the other end of it. Um, So just to go back to the last sentence, which I was just talking about there, which is around our our workers having a real wealth of knowledge and what we like to term operational intelligence, they really have that intelligence around the operation itself. And what operational learning allows us as leaders to do is actually to become learners and it empowers our frontline workers to really share what it takes to get the work done.
1: So starting to draw together that gap between the operation and management. So how do we do operational learning? We've spoken a little bit about what it is, what it looks like, some of the
0: benefits of it, but actually what practically can we do? What are those changes or how can we start to implement this a little bit? And one great thing about operational learning is that we can start to do it immediately and actually we can weave it into everything we do. So one method is literally by starting to take a hop lens using those five principles I spoke about at the start as a foundation. Leaders can start to show a genuine interest in wanting to learn from our workers, starting to empower our frontline staff by seeing them as a valuable source of operational intelligence. That approach of going up and speaking to people with that genuine interest will become across so clear and obvious that we really are valuing you. And we want to hear your insight and your operational intelligence and find out more what it takes to get the job done. Through this, we can start to build relationships with our frontline staff, staying curious and humble by genuinely wanting to understand and learn about the blue line operational learning allows an experienced senior leader to go on site and ask what does it really take to get the job done or what I like even more is this next way of putting it which can be I used to do this job but I don't anymore tell me what it's like to do the work today and I think that is a completely different approach to I used to do this job you know Tell me what it's like. It's really quite a humble. It's stepping back and saying, you are the expert. You are the one with the expertise. I'm here to learn from you. That's a very different conversation. And we can really start to learn about our operation. And these are things that we can start to do on a day to day basis. So that's kind of what we can do kind of straight away. We can leave this and start to do that this afternoon or tomorrow. Start to ask those questions, being really curious and trying to learn from people on the front line. But there are also some more formal operational learning tools which we can implement as well. And one you might have heard of is learning teams. So learning teams is a tool where we can start to learn from our frontline workers through a slightly more structured facilitated conversation to discover what normal work really looks like. During a learning teams, we have a facilitator who will usually be about a mid-level leader and someone who's really able to build a good rapport with workers. And they use some effective questioning techniques to just chat with a small group of frontline staff. And the aim of this conversation is for the leader to find out a little bit more about some of the conditions and context that drives work. The workers participating in the learning team share what work really looks like for them by describing that blue line. And then they work together to identify some of their own recommendations or solutions to make things better, so often we often tell people on the front line, this is the solution, so this is kind of changing that model a little bit and it's working with our frontline staff together and having them as the experts come up with what might be some of the solutions for them. So learning teams are a really powerful way to showcase our workers as the problem solvers. If you want to find out a little bit more about learning teams, then there's loads of information on Southpac's website as well. There's lots of different resources and videos, so it might be a a nice next step to go and have a look at that. So learning teams is one tool, but as I described earlier, we can really start to kind of take on operational learning immediately, literally by just staying a bit more curious, starting to build relationships with our frontline staff, And seeing our workforce as as that wealth of knowledge that we can learn from and become learners ourselves. As I said a couple of slides back, in order to make good successful decisions, we need that right, that real
1: information to kind of in in feed um, what decisions we might be making ourselves. So you've spoken quite a bit about what operational learning is where it's helpful, how
0: we might do it. So it might also be helpful to think, okay, so what isn't it? What things aren't we talking about here? So it's definitely not about blaming. It's not about finger pointing or finding fault. So we're asking people to be open and honest and therefore going back to those hot principles, that response really matters. It's not about finding blame. It has nothing to do with measuring compliance. Again, we're not looking to measure to go back to that black line and and describe that because we know what that is. We've got those procedures in place. It's about finding what that blue line looks like. We're not trying to get witness statements or get one true story or one way of doing things. We're just trying to hear what it takes people to get the job done. It's not a traditional investigation. And again, it's not about finding that root cause. The thing which I really love about this is it's really as it sounds, It's learning about the operation.
1: It's learning about the messiness of work from those who are closest to it. So it's also worth mentioning that one of the key
0: aspects, and in my opinion, possibly the biggest challenge of operational learning, is our ability to put ourselves in our worker's shoes. Operational learning requires us to try and take the perspective of our workers and really try and understand what it takes to get the work done. Taking another person's perspective is really challenging. It requires us to listen without judgment and without assuming that we know the answer or the solution before we have all of that information together. And that's actually so difficult. But what we find is once we step back and once we start to listen a little bit more, we find that when we see things through the eyes of others, we can begin to understand why an action or a behavior or a choice actually made complete sense to someone at the time. And had we ourselves been in that same situation with the same set of tools or demands and pressures, we would
1: most likely have done the same thing as well. So if we start on this kind of journey and start to um, embed a bit more operational learning, we start to
0: use those hot principles and move towards this direction in our work, how will we know if we're being successful? Well, first of all, leaders and management will start to gain a real greater understanding of that blue line, a real wealth of knowledge. And they'll start to see differences between, okay, this is what the blue line looks like we'll start to feel more knowledgeable and have more information from our frontline workers. We'll also begin to build stronger relationship with our frontline staff, and we'll start to feel that we're drawing that gap between us as management and workers who are doing the work every day. Another way of kind of measuring this success is to just listen to the language that people are using, or actually listen to how we're using it ourselves. From my perspective, kind of the success in this area is when we start to hear people using phrases such as, well, that's work has is done, isn't it? Or I want to hear a little bit more about the blue line. And those starts of conversations start to happen in the corridor or in team meetings or kind of in the workshop floor. And We start to get those little pieces of language or ways people are talking. And that's kind of, yeah, we're taking a different perspective and approach here. Another really good indicator can come from just reading through some of our investigation reports or audits or observation forms. And we might notice that questions are starting to change from who went wrong to what. The change in focus towards more of a system weakness or looking at the wider system rather than a specific person
1: who should have done this or that. So we'll start to see a change in kind of our approach or our focus of work. So, minus hopefully the little lag
0: at the start there, and I hope it wasn't too disruptive, sorry about that. Um, Hopefully for some of those of you who are more new to operational learning, you now have a little bit more of kind of an introduction or a little bit more of an understanding around what it is, what it might look for you, and how operational learning can really provide a deeper understanding and a greater level of learning of our operation. Operational learning is just as it sounds. It's learning from our operation. And this sounds quite simple, but as I'm sure you've recognised already today, it's not that easy as it requires leaders to be open to starting to peel back some of those pr- protective layers that we've kind of created and to talk to frontline staff and start to listen to the real kind of truth or the core information around what it takes to get the job done. It requires leaders to become those learners and our frontline workers to become our most valued source of knowledge. With these challenges in mind, we must remember the benefits and the purpose of operational learning. Leaders, managers, and frontline workers all have the same operational goals, to run our operation efficiently and safely. And we're far more likely to be successful in this if we achieve it together. So just as a final kind of um, uh, wrap up here, as I mentioned, if you'd like to find out a little bit more about anything I've touched on, so whether it's operational learning in general, learning teams um hop or any of those aspects then please feel free i think the links are going to also be shared with you in the chat there um feel free to have a look at our website linkedin or there's loads of information on youtube and online as well so um hopefully this will be a nice kind of starting board to go from and then you can start to dig a little bit deeper into some of those areas so thank you very much for listening today and i hope that that little lag or what that um, yeah, the internet, what happened there, I hope it wasn't too disruptive. And, um, yeah, you managed to, the second half was hopefully a little bit smoother. But thank you. And, um, yeah, I see, Sarah, you've jumped back on the screen.
2: <laughs> yes, well, normally I'm the one lagging here. <laughs> um, no, it wasn't, that, it wasn't that bad at all, Becky. Um, it was definitely better after the video went off. <laughs> So um, there are some links that uh, Katie is popping into the chat, um, which have a lot of useful information. So there is one question just now. um, Grant says, people make mistakes, but how do we address repeated mistakes? For example, pre-start inspections not completed.
0: I think um, it's a a really good question. Um, And I think as well, recognising yet people make mistakes. And I think with repeated mistakes, it might be then, looking at what are we looking for in that instant when someone makes a mistake and actually do we need to go a little bit deeper because what we often talk about is um, if someone makes a mistake and we remove that person from that job or from that task and we say kind of continue with how things go if there's a chance that someone else doing that same task or role could make the same mistake then it's not a person problem is something wider than that so it's starting to look at okay maybe we need to go back to this and it might be something like a learning team or let's get the group in here and really just talk about what does what does the work look like around that so going a little bit wider as opposed to focusing on that specific mistake so that we can start to see if there's something else which is feeding into that as opposed to just that action itself what is it that is leading to that repeated action?
2: um thank you becky um stephen's more of a statement but he says edgar shine's humble inquiry is a great tool for managers trying to learn how to transition from telling to questioning yeah thank you um and that's all for the questions so we will wait wait a couple of seconds i did put a link in the chat also to webinar next week um and um, as I said before, this, will, this link will be shared later today. Hi again, Becky. Hi, sorry. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that was um, really good. So um, yeah, we'll send the recording out later. Thank you so much for joining us today, Becky and Katie and everyone again. So um, Andrew said in the comments, thank you. That was new to him and very interesting. And Ron says, great presentation. Um, yeah, so hope everyone has a great rest of their week and, yeah, hopefully we'll see you guys again, Becky and Katie. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, bye. bye.